KPFA.org. KPFA Radio Network, Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for a cover-to-cover open book. We were in North Oakland and taking a leisurely stroll, passing an elderly gentleman. And my father says, these are the great-grandchildren of Booker T. Washington. And while my brother and I were cringing, he said, don't be embarrassed. Rules of my race depend on bettering their condition, their foreign land, or who underestimates the importance of cultivating friend relations. The southern white man who is their next door neighbor, I would say, cast down your bucket where you are. And I look at my great grandfather as really a pillar of strength. And that was the voice of Sarah O'Neill Rush reading from her book, Timeless Treasures. Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington. You also heard an excerpt from the only known preserved audio recording of Sarah's great-grandfather, Booker T. Washington. In the background, it's the African-American National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Stay tuned for more from Sarah O'Neill Rush and her great-grandfather, Booker T. Washington. Up next on Cover to Cover, Open Book. Good afternoon and welcome to Cover to Cover, Open Book. I'm Safiwa Nairobi, your host this afternoon. Today, Open Book presents Bay Area resident and Booker T. Washington descendant Sarah O'Neill Rush, author, speaker, personal life coach, and mental health professional. Sarah is going to be reading from her book, Timeless Treasures, Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington. We begin with some background information about Booker T. Washington. On July 4, 1881, at the age of 25, Booker T. Washington founded Tuskegee Normal School, later named Tuskegee Institute, and today known as Tuskegee University in Tuskegee, Alabama. Washington was an advisor of Presidents McKinley, Roosevelt, and Taft. Booker T. Washington's autobiography, Up From Slavery, a bestseller, has been translated into 17 different languages and has been in print since its first edition was published in 1901. Booker T. Washington is reported to have been born during the middle of the 19th century. At five years old, Washington, a slave, was valued at only $400. Yet, he went on to become one of the greatest men to have ever lived. Watered. We have come, spreading 
grandchildren of Booker T. Washington. She and one of her first cousins, Gloria Yvonne Jackson, decided to write a book, Timeless Treasures, Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington. Sarah says the objective in writing this book is exposing the wisdom of Booker T. Washington, celebrating the 150-year anniversary of his birth, and writing the book based upon something she and Gloria, both great-granddaughters of Booker T. Washington, share in common. But we're very, very different. She's an attorney, and she's concerned about facts, and I'm in the field of psychology, and I'm concerned about how the facts affect the mind. And she leans to the right, I lean to the left. She grew up in a very comfortable lifestyle, and I grew up with very little. But the one thing we found we had in common was our belief in God. So we decided to write it on that foundation and also to show that he was a, uh, he followed the Bible, he believed in the Bible, and a lot of the things he did were because of that. Sarah talks about how she and her cousin Gloria compiled the text for Timeless Treasures, Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington. And our mothers are best, were best friends. My mom passed away in 1999. Um, there were four sisters born to Booker T. Washington's youngest son, Ernest Davidson Washington. And my mother's the oldest and her mother is the youngest and they were the best friends and the two middle sisters were best friends and so we got together and we would we did it mostly by phone we spent hours upon hours on the phone we we searched the bible for our favorite scripture and we also searched books and all over for quotations and pieces of wisdom from our great-grandfather and admirers of Booker T. Washington would give us quotations we'd never heard or, or, or they'd tell us where to find them. And so what we ended up with is over a hundred quotations and pieces of wisdom of Booker T. Washington and we matched them with complimenting scripture from the Bible and out of 
all, there's no two scripture alike, no two quotations that are the same. There's ten chapters, and we wrote uh, like a brief synopsis. All the chapters are based on values that Booker T. Washington stood for. So there is character building, race relations, economic development, education, successful living, and more chapters. But we would each take one and write something about that. Sarah acknowledges that while growing up in Oakland and before attending the Booker T. Washington family reunion in Tuskegee in 1996, she had been embarrassed to be associated with Booker T. Washington. Well, you know, as long as I can remember, I knew that I was the great-granddaughter, but I didn't realize the significance until 1996. I knew that my mother, she's the granddaughter of Booker T. Washington, and she was born and raised in Tuskegee, Alabama, right across the street from the university. But by the time I came along, which was a little bit later in her life, she was near 40 and I think she was tired. She was married to my father for the second time, and she didn't talk about it. She was single and divorced from my father for the second time. She worked two jobs when I was about five and overwhelmed as a single mother. So she didn't talk about it a lot. And then my father, on the other hand, he would talk about it to any and everybody. We would pass by on the street that my brother, who's two years older than me, that we were the great-grandchildren of Booker T. Washington. And we'd just get embarrassed because he never said why this was so important or why he was so proud of it. And I can remember when I was about nine years old, and we were in North Oakland and in the neighborhood taking a leisurely stroll. And we were passing an elderly gentleman. And my father says, these are the great grandchildren of Booker T. Washington. And while my brother and I were cringing, he said, don't be embarrassed. It's an honor to know you and to know that his descendants exist. But still, I didn't understand why. So I was embarrassed for a long time whenever someone would mention it. A first-time journey to Tuskegee, Alabama for Sarah helped her understand the significance of her great-grandfather, Booker T. Washington, and his contribution to U.S. American history. So here in the prologue, I have a personal testimony about my first um, visit to the South and to Tuskegee University, which my great-grandfather founded in 1881. So I'll read a little bit of what that was like for me. As I witnessed the marvelous works of my great-grandfather during our first Booker T. Washington Extended Family Reunion held on the grounds of Tuskegee University in 1996, for the first time, the legacy that I'd taken for granted for so many years began to come alive. Since that day, less than 10 years before the time of this writing, my world has changed dramatically. Immediately upon arriving on campus, we were greeted by news reporters, journalists, faculty, and students who asked for autographs, photos, and just the chance to talk and get to know us. They were in awe that descendants of this extraordinary man were still alive, and I was in awe at how they cared so deeply nearly 81 years after his death. As I toured the campus, I was most inspired by the buildings before me that were erected under the direction of Booker T. Washington. He and other former slaves who were his students and staff 
build each building by hand, brick by brick, using bricks that they made. These bricks were of such high quality that contractors, business owners, and others would come from miles around to purchase them. The buildings on campus still stand today, 125 years later. When I returned home from the reunion, I passionately set out to discover all I could about the life and legacy of my great-grandfather. I read, I studied, and I asked questions. I came to realize that there was an obligation tied to the privilege of being born into this great lineage, and it was to carry on the legacy using the gifts that God bestowed upon me. Listening to KPFA, I'm Safi Wan Nairobi, and today on Open Book, we're featuring timeless treasures, reflections of God's Word in the wisdom of Booker T. Washington. It's written by two cousins, both great granddaughters of Booker T. Washington. One of those great granddaughters, Sarah O'Neill Rush, is sharing excerpts from the book. She recalls the challenges of obtaining an education, both for herself and her great grandfather. Yes, I went through a lot of changes in my life with my father being gone. He left when I was about 11 and and uh, my mother working two jobs. And by the time I was 16 years old, I became a teenage mother. And at 17, I lived on my own and I was um, raising my one-year-old son alone in a project on 85th Avenue and would have to travel to North Oakland to go to school. At Oakland Tech, I would get on two buses after I got me and my son dressed. I'd drop him off at daycare and rush to class. But with all of that, you know, I graduated um, six months ahead of my class because I had the grades and more than enough credits. And at the time, I didn't realize, you know, that Booker T. Washington, that I had his blood running through my veins. And, and also that at the age of 16, he actually traveled to Hampton about 500 miles from West Virginia to gain his formal education and he traveled mostly by foot and graduated three years later with honors. Um, you know, all that had gone on and I was just unaware until I arrived at, we had a family reunion at the university in 1996 and um, on campus, that was my first time to the South. 
and on campus was when I realized there were news reporters and journalists and um, writers and community members all there to welcome us. And that's when I looked at my mother, who she passed away in 99, but at this time I said, Mama, why didn't you tell me? And that's when I recognized the significance. Sarah has a message for others who might be experiencing similar trials and challenges, especially youth. And I just, you know, I worked really hard to pull myself up, and that's why, you know, today I say the kids, and I'm like, I know you can do it, because I did it, so it's hard for them to tell me, you know, it's too hard out here. I, I believe they can do it. Here's Sarah O'Neill Rush reading more from the prologue of Timeless Treasures. Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington as she tells the connection between Booker T. Washington and her husband's hometown in Laurenburg, North Carolina. And, and by the way, I did the prologue. My cousin did the epilogue. But at any rate, I had... My husband is from Laurenburg, North Carolina, and I would we would visit his parents every other year or so. And we would go to this school because there was nothing else in Laurenburg to see. They didn't have sidewalks. It was a very, very small um, town. So I wrote this in the prologue. I say, as I continue to learn of the virtues of my great-grandfather beyond the textbooks, incredible discoveries continue to unfold. One of the most touching is the direct tie he had to a school around the corner from where my husband, Anthony, was born and raised. Laurenburg Institute in Laurenburg, North Carolina. This school is a major landmark in this small, rural, unassuming town. On several occasions when we traveled back to my husband's boyhood home, we would pass by the school and he would share stories with me about it. Little did we know at that time that my great-grandfather had anything to do with its existence. Eventually, in 2003, I learned that in the early 1900s, the black parents in Laurenburg wrote to Booker T. Washington to ask him to help them begin a school so their children could receive an education beyond their elementary school years. Responding to their call, Booker T. Washington sent two of his graduates from Tuskegee, Emmanuel and Tiny McDuffie, to open the school. Established in 1904, the same principles as the Tuskegee Institute, education of the head, hand, and heart, Laurenburg Institute has outlasted dozens of other private black prep schools that were forced to close their doors after the 1954 Brown versus Board of Education ruling. Today, it is one of the only four private black prep schools in the country. And in 2004, I was the keynote speaker along with the great-granddaughter of Emmanuel and Tiny McDuffie for their 100-year anniversary. And I saw a documentary that was narrated by um, Danny Glover. His nephew attended Laurenburg Institute. And, um, well, there was a documentary where he did the narrative, and it was very interesting. Sing a song Full of the faith that the dark past has taught us
Safiwa Nairobi with you today for Open Book. We're featuring timeless treasures, reflections on God's Word in the wisdom of Booker T. Washington by two of his great-granddaughters, Gloria Yvonne Jackson and Sarah O'Neill Rush. Sarah has been reading excerpts from the book and talking about the impact of the work of Booker T. Washington, one of the greatest men to live. Here is a recording of a speech given by Booker T. Washington a century ago. During those times, they were using the mechanical cylinder phonograph to make audio recordings, quite different in sound to what we're accustomed to hearing today. Mr. President and gentlemen of the Board of Directors and citizens, one-third of the population of the South is of the Negro race. No enterprise seeking the material, civil, or moral welfare of this section can disregard this element of our population and reach the highest success. I will convey to you, Mr. President and Director, the sentiment of the masses of my race when I say that in no way have the value and manhood of the American Negro been more fittingly and generously recognized than by the managers of this magnificent exposition at every stage of its progress. It is a recognition that will do more to cement the friendship of the two races than any occurrence since the dawn of our freedom. The, not only this, but the opportunity here afforded will awaken among us a new era of industrial progress. Ignorant and inexperienced, it is not strange that in the first years of our new life, we began at the top instead of the bottom. That a single Congress or the state legislature was more sought than real estate or industrial fear. That the political convention or subsidies had more attraction than starting a dairy farm or a truck guy. A ship lost its sea for many days suddenly sighted a friendly vessel. From the mass of the unfortunate vessel was seen a signal. Water, water, we die up there. The answer from the friendly vessel at once came back. Cast down your bucket where you are. A second time, the signal, water, send us water, ran up from the distressed vessel and was answered, cast down your bucket where you are. A third and fourth signal. For water was asked, cast down your bucket where you are. The captain of the distressed vessel at last, eating the injunction, cast down his bucket, and it came up full of fresh, sparkling water from the mouth of the Amazon River. Those of my race who depend on bettering their condition in a foreign land, or who underestimate the importance of cultivating friendly relations with the southern white man, who is their next-door neighbor, I would say, Cast down your bucket where you are. Cast it down, making friends in every manly way of the people of all races by whom you are surrounded. That was a recording of Booker T. Washington speaking on race relations and industrial progress at the Atlanta Exposition 100 years ago. Sarah is proud of her great-grandfather and his work. And I look at my great-grandfather as really a pillar of strength. And For example, Marcus Garvey came to this country at the invitation of Booker T. Washington, and it was because he wanted to model his program of self-reliance after Booker T. Washington's model for Tuskegee, which was um, the head, the hand, and the heart, and the head 
meaning education, the hand meaning hard work and building things, growing things, fixing things, and the uh, the heart meaning to do things in love and to pass it on. And um, those things stand out for me, the fact that he, they made those bricks and it took so many tries, but when they got it right, that became a source of income for the university. There was just one little old broken down shanty for their use and there it was amongst a forest of trees and Booker T. Washington told them, the students and staff, okay, we're going to cut down these trees and make room to grow our food and to build buildings so we can live and eat and work. And he picked up the first axe and he began to lead the way into the forest and they willingly and quietly began to follow. And now, you know, today we have Tuskegee University on those very grounds. One of Sarah's favorite selections in the book. It's under race relations. And it says, I have found, too, that it is the visible, the tangible, that goes a long way in softening prejudices. The actual sight of a first-class house that a Negro has built is ten times more potent than pages of discussion about a house that he ought to build or perhaps could build. And that scripture for that one comes from Proverbs 14 and 23. And it says, in all labor there is profit, but more talk leads only to poverty. Sarah O'Neill Rush shares one last excerpt from Timeless Treasures, Reflections of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington. It really describes Booker T. Washington, but it also describes a a character or if we live by this philosophy another way that we could get ahead and it says I will allow no man to drag me down so low as to make me hate him and that was actually taken out of Up From Slavery and that is Booker T. Washington's autobiography that he had published in 1901 and bestseller translated into over 17 different languages never been out of print it's always available um, when he wrote that, he was just saying, even his slave master, he doesn't hate him. He sees him as a victim, as a person with, with hatred in his heart, and um, just as much as the slaves as a victim. And in that quote, it goes on to say, no race can, can hate another without itself being narrowed and hated. Let us march on. Let us in today's show features lift every voice and sing including Diane Reeves with that mostly a cappella rendition recorded live at the Bern Jazz Festival in Switzerland at the beginning of the millennium lift every voice and sing is traditionally known as the African American National Anthem it was written by James Weldon Johnson back in 1900 just about the time that Booker T. Washington penned his speech to the Atlanta Exposition 
His great-granddaughters, Gloria Yvonne Jackson and Sarah O'Neill Rush, are certainly lifting their voice and singing about an extraordinary legacy and timeless treasure in their book, Timeless Treasures, Reflection of God's Word in the Wisdom of Booker T. Washington, featured here today on KPFA on Open Book. I'm Safiwa Nairobi. I've been your host this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Cover to Cover, Open Book. For questions or comments, you can reach Open Book via telephone at 510-848-6767, extension 212. Up next is Free Speech Radio News, followed by Hard Knock Radio, so stay with us. Global Exchange and KPFA bring together Mark Shapiro and Michael Pollan to discuss Shapiro's new book, Exposed, The Toxic Chemistry of Everyday Products, Who's at Risk, What's at Stake. Michael Pollan is the author of Botany of Desire and The Omnivore's Dilemma. Hear them Wednesday, November 28th, 7.30 p.m. at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley. Wheelchair accessible. For tickets and full information, please go to the Global Exchange website, Or call 415-255-7296, extension 253. That is 415-255-7296, extension 253. Or just get yourself into one of our supportive independent bookstores.